Hi, and welcome to the Legal LGBT Podcast. I'm Eric Lesh, Executive Director of Legal, the LGBT Bar of New York. On January 22nd, by a 5-4 vote, and yes, exactly the five you'd expect, the Supreme Court lifted two injunctions blocking Trump's hateful and discriminatory ban on transgender military service. This is not the end, it's only the beginning, but nevertheless, this was devastating news. The disgraceful actions of this president, his administration, aided by his two illegitimate appointments to the Supreme Court, dishonor the brave transgender troops who courageously serve and wish to serve their country. We stand with you. But Art was quick to remind us the court order does not allow the Pentagon to begin enforcing its policy, for now anyway. As listeners to this podcast will know, there are four challenges across the country, and one of those injunctions, barring enforcement of the ban, still remains in place. But for how long is uncertain. So we've come together in Art's office at New York Law School to update you on the Supreme Court action, what it means, what happens next, and what it means ultimately for the constitutionality of this ban. Hi, Art. Hi, and this is Art Leonard. <laughs> My last name has not been uttered you yet. You know, just in case people were totally confused, you want to do we are welcome. No, goodness, no. <laughs> if people don't know you by now, okay. um, with us, as always, is the Art Leonard, professor of uh, law at New York Law School, and uh, he's, he's, as usual, got the most up-to-date news for, for you and for me um, so let's dig right in. Art, what happened? Let's just talk about what the Supreme Court did first. Okay, what the Supreme Court did. And uh, what the Supreme Court did was they denied petitions for cert before judgment in three of the four military cases. Uh, the cases that were before the court were Karnowski versus Trump from Seattle, uh-huh. uh, Doe versus Trump from the District of Columbia, and Stockman versus Trump from Riverside, California, where there is a courthouse of the Central District of California. So in those three cases, the district judges had issued preliminary injunctions more than a year ago in all three cases, uh, saying that the ban could not be implemented until a decision on the merits by yep. the court. They wanted, uh, these were really status quo injunctions because the status quo since the beginning of July 2016 was the transgender people could serve. Right. Uh, President Trump unbalanced the status quo, challenged it in July of 2017 when he tweeted that transgender... In the most reckless yeah, way possible. Transgender people may not serve in any capacity, and then a month later he issued a memo. Right. Uh, now, when the memo was issued, there was already one lawsuit on file. Uh, I believe that was Doe versus Trump in the District of Columbia. Uh, so some of what was being said in the memo was undoubtedly responding to some of the issues raised in the lawsuit and in the anticipation that there might be more lawsuits, which right. were promptly filed after that memo. All right. So uh, in the memo, Trump tasked Mattis, the uh, then Secretary of Defense, to come up with an implementation plan. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mattis claims that he convened an expert task force of military personnel and other experts uh, to draft a report to him with a recommendation, and that was submitted to the president in February of 2018, mm -hmm. uh, together with Mattis's recommendation of a proposed implementation plan. And the president, in response to that, rescinded his tweet and his August memorandum, 
directed Mattis to implement whichever policy he deemed appropriate, indicating in the letter that the policy that had been recommended to him by Mattis would be, but not directing Mattis to implement that policy, just directing him to implement what the policy he deems appropriate. Uh, and the Coast Guard would follow along with this, even though they're not part of the Defense Department. They're part of the Homeland Security Department. Okay. Uh, but they were already, always, always swept into this. Okay. Uh, so uh, then Mattis announced that he planned to implement the plan. And the Justice Department filed motions in all four of the cases where these preliminary injunctions were uh, out, asking that they be dissolved. And the theory behind asking that they be dissolved was that this was no longer a transgender ban. That what Mattis was planning to implement was a ban against service by people who had been diagnosed with gender dysphoria unless they were already serving and had transitioned by the time this plan was implemented. Everyone else, any other transgender uh, applicant or uh, current member of the military who hadn't transitioned would be dismissed or denied enlistment if mm -hmm. they had been diagnosed with gender dysphoria. It was their way of getting around right. heightened scrutiny right. for this, their this, policy. This was, this was reverse engineering the policy uh, to avoid it being a status discrimination case and making it into a medical case. Yep. And uh, the federal courts have normally deferred very heavily to the Pentagon on their view of which medical conditions might be disqualifying for service. So they think they've turned it around. But none of the, well, the three of the district judges were unconvinced. Yep. Uh, Judge Peckman in Seattle and uh, Judge Collar Catelli in D.C. and Judge Bernal in Riverside uh, all refused to lift or dissolve the preliminary injunctions. And in fact, one went a step farther, isn't and, that right? And, well, and said that this is a strict scrutiny case. That's right, which right? was a big win. Which is a big, a big win, but it's just the district court. And so far, we have not gotten a court of appeals to agree with that. So, uh, so in I'm those, just trying to bring up the right, good news whenever right, possible. Whenever possible. Okay. And, and so because this was such a big emergency, uh, because the military was at risk, uh, according to the Justice Department and ultimately the Solicitor General, uh, they filed immediate appeals to the courts of appeals and asked them to expedite. So the court, relevant courts of appeals uh, for these three cases are the D.C. Circuit and the Ninth Circuit. Uh, and neither one agreed to, uh, like, super expedite these cases. They put them down for oral arguments this fall, the, in the fall of 2018. And the oral arguments have been held. Uh, but no opinion had been issued by the end of November by either one of the panels, okay. the Ninth Circuit or the D.C. Circuit. So the Solicitor General, seeing that uh, this was a case they wanted to get to the U.S. Supreme Court if they lost in the Courts of Appeals, and that they wouldn't be able to get a Supreme Court argument this year unless cert was granted by mid-January. So at the end of November, the Solicitor General filed petitions for cert before judgment. So jumping right up to the Supreme Court. Yeah, jump, leapfrogging over. And the there's no the question court. they would have lost at least in the Ninth Circuit. There's no question. Well, we don't know. I'm, I'm told that the panel that heard the argument was rather conservative. So we don't and know. surely they would have and gone on bonk, and surely they possibly, would have reversed. Possibly. You know, these are all speculations. But what yeah. we do know is that uh, in December, as we reported in the last uh, segment of the Law Notes podcast, uh, the Solicitor General fearing that cert might be denied, uh, filed with the court motions in the three cases that the court, if it uh, denied the petitions for cert, grant a stay 
so that the preliminary injunctions could go into effect, or rather that the preliminary injunctions would stop being in effect and would stop blocking the implementation of the policy. And in case the court wasn't willing to go that far, they offered as an alternative narrow the injunctions just to the named plaintiffs in the case. Yeah. Uh, which, which would be weird, you know. But at any event, uh, on January 4th, the D.C. Circuit reversed the district court as to the preliminary injunction. They disagreed with the district court, which had found that the implementation plan recommended by Mattis was just another version of Trump's original ban. Mm -hmm. They said, no, there are significant differences here. It's going to allow certain people to serve in their desired gender. It's going to allow other people to serve if they agree not to transition. Uh, It is now a ban based on a medical condition rather than based on status. You have to rethink this. Okay. And they sent it back to Judge uh, Kalar Catelli to rethink her preliminary injunction. But that took the wind out of the sails of the cert petition from the D.C. Circuit. Uh, so on uh, January 22, the court uh, dismissed that cert petition and denied the motion to stay as moot. Okay. Because the D.C. Circuit had already taken care of that. So but now we're dealing with two. Now we're dealing with the two from the West Coast, uh, from Seattle and Riverside. And as to those, the Supreme Court denied the cert petitions but granted the motions in full. And so uh, the way they, they phrased it was the motion to stay was granted pending a ruling by the Ninth Circuit, which as of the date we're recording this, January 25th, uh, it's too early in the morning to know what the Ninth Circuit has done because they post their decisions at 10 o'clock Pacific time, and we won't find out till the afternoon whether okay. they've done anything today. I've been checking every day to see if the Ninth Circuit's done anything. So it's pending a ruling by the Ninth Circuit. Now, if the Ninth Circuit uh, grants the appeal mm-hmm. by the Justice Department in that case and reverses the preliminary injunctions, the decisions to uh, uh, against dissolving the preliminary injunctions, then it doesn't have to go any further because the preliminary injunctions are gone. If the Ninth Circuit rules against the government uh-huh. and the uh, Solicitor General promptly files an appeal to the Supreme Court, uh-huh. then uh, pending a Supreme Court ruling on the cert petition, uh, these uh, the stay will probably stay in effect. Oh. And uh, the Supreme Court won't make a decision on cert, uh, you know, for uh, at least a few weeks after the petition is filed because the respondents have uh, 30 days to file a response. Okay. Uh, and, so uh, that's one possible yeah. But But the route, point is the case, if cert is granted, unless the court decides that there's such a big emergency here to hold a special session, yeah. it won't be argued to next term. Okay. Which is what the Solicitor General was trying to avoid. Right. Uh, now, there is the outlier case out there, the one in Baltimore. Okay. This is Stone versus Trump, uh, in which Judge Marvin Garbus, uh, on November 21st of 2017, issued his preliminary injunction. And then in June, he retired. Okay. And the case was reassigned to uh, Judge George L. Russell III okay. of the District Court of Baltimore. And pending before him is a motion to dissolve the preliminary injunction or to stay it, presumably, uh, which he, as of this morning, hadn't ruled on yet. But we were informed that this week the uh, Justice Department got in touch with him and asked him to rule promptly in light of the Supreme Court stay of the other three preliminary injunctions. So it's, I would think it's very likely, given that it was the Supreme Court, because uh, if he refuses to do it, they'll just file a motion with the Supreme Court, which will stay it. Yeah. Uh, so the chances are that the uh, implementation plan will go into effect uh, 
maybe sometime in the weeks ahead. As of now, the preliminary injunction from the Baltimore case, the Stone uh, case, is still in effect. Uh, so, so they can't enforce it now. They can't but enforce in the, it now. In the weeks ahead, assuming that you know everything that the because of the Stone case, the injunction is possibly lifted. The military could begin enforcing this. The Pentagon. It's it's possible. Although if the Ninth Circuit hurries up and issues a decision in favor of the plaintiffs, uh, and refuses to stay, uh-huh. then at least uh, the government will have to ask the Supreme Court. They'll have to file a motion to stay all over again. I would. Think. Can you explain why it would be so important to delay implementation of this ban at all costs? Well, because as soon as the uh, the plan goes into effect, they can start dismissing people. And and uh, I don't think anyone has exact numbers, but but I understand that the, uh, the proportion of transgender people now serving who have actually completed transition since July of uh, 2016 is relatively small, that the overwhelming majority of them are probably people who would be subject to dismissal unless they agreed to give up all plans for transition. That's crazy. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is the, one of the, the odd things about this. I mean, uh, the uh, backstory seems to be that Trump's original tweet was motivated by an immediate political need to avoid blockage by very right-wing anti-gay Republicans in the House of a pending appropriations bill for the Defense Department that, at least at the time, designated certain funds for the wall. But, of course, the ultimate... Uh, appropriations bill that was passed didn't have funds for the wall because the Democrats in the Senate wouldn't. I can't believe this yeah. is coming back. This is to all the about wall the wall again. This is all about the wall. Uh, they they were holding uh, the defense uh, budget hostage because these Republicans were outraged that their attempt to attach an amendment to the appropriations bill wow. banning the use of Defense Department money to perform sex change so operations. So we're looking at a, at, at a bunch of people who are employed by the federal government right now yes. who are suffering because of this stupid wall. And not and, because of the shutdown, because the Defense Department's appropriation is in effect. So they're being paid. You know, it's this the is, Defense Department Now operating. people's lives are going to be ruined. Yes. This is going to end. There was an well, this op-ed. this is going to be career-ending for many people. This, yeah, the now, op-ed in the and, and New York also Times was just who, devastating. For people who wanted to enlist. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the uh, these preliminary injunctions, and, and some of the judges had to issue clarifying opinions to make it clear to the Pentagon uh, during the, the final weeks of uh, 2017 that these preliminary injunctions didn't just apply to protecting the people who were in, it also applied to the target date that Mattis had announced of January 1st to lift the ban on enlistment. Wow. So uh, they formally lifted the ban on enlistment. So they had been accepting papers. They had been accepting applications, but they have been slow walking them because they expected to win this case ultimately. So I, don't, I haven't heard a report of anyone who's actually advanced to basic training yet. And this is like over a year now. Uh, so, uh, and, and uh, there was a story I read, uh, I think The Advocate had a story this week about someone who has applied, who uh, is very well qualified, who has transitioned uh, previously, and who is ready to serve the country and has specialized skills and all this kind of stuff uh, as a, uh, an, an, a translator interpreter. Of all of the heartless things that this administration has done from separating children from their families, um, 
to immediately lifting um, protections for trans kids in schools. This is just among the very worst. I mean, it just singles out people who are are courageously volunteering to serve their country and dishonors them. It targets them for uh, violence exclusion. And it was all triggered by a short-term political need of the president in July 2017 to mollify what they call themselves the Freedom Caucus in the House of Representatives. Uh, So can you tell us a little bit about the ultimate constitutionality of this ban? What happens now? I mean, what does the five-person majority on the Supreme Court you know, mean. Well, well, you know, there's the technical meaning and there's the practical meaning. Give us both. The the technical meaning is all they were doing was granting a motion to stay. They weren't pronouncing uh, on the merits of those preliminary injunctions. They were just agreeing to stay them. But that means, you know, what are the criteria for the Supreme Court to grant a stay of a lower court's preliminary injunction? Mm -hmm. And presumably that means they think that one or more of the factors supporting the issuance of the preliminary Injunction uh, was uh, not decided correctly by the yeah. lower court. I Likelihood think, of success yes. on the merits is one of the things well, that goes into deciding. Well, and one of them is whether, the, when you're issuing an injunction, whether it's in the public interest to enjoin the activity you're enjoining, uh, and also irreparable injury. Is there irreparable injury to either party, depending whether you grant or deny the preliminary injunction? Now, they may be uh, responding to the Solicitor General's argument that the Defense Department is suffering irreparable injury by having to allow uh, transgender people to serve, or that is, people with gender dysphoria to serve. So that would be the... That would be the... That could be it. And part of the problem is that what the the justices had before them on this motion, uh, and also on the cert petitions, because the cert petitions... Uh, although they intimated that the court should decide the merits of the case, I don't think the court's going to want to decide the merits of the case until there's a record mm-hmm. of some sort here. Although, and that's going to be another fight although because sometimes we can't they complete issue, the record. Although, with, well, yeah, although sometimes they issue uh, decisions where there isn't a record on a, in a case that's up on an interlocutory appeal or on an appeal from a motion to dismiss or something. That was Bowers versus Hardwick. That mm. was decided without a trial record. Wow. And uh, I believe the, uh, the same is true of Lawrence versus Texas. Mm. I mean, in, in the Obergefell case, I think we had final judgments from the district courts. But those were on summary judgment motions. All right. So you gave us the technical. What's the practical? The practical is that we now have a signal that five members of the U.S. Supreme Court, for whatever reason, think it's appropriate to let the president implement this ban which means that to five members of the Supreme Court, it doesn't seem that they're going to allow the lower courts to second-guess the Defense Department on who should be able to serve. And, you know, you, you see the article reporting on this case in the New York Times and then the comments section. Okay. You know, and I, I, I sometimes scroll through the comments section. Here I actually posted something pointing out that the first version of the article that appeared in the Times never mentioned the Stone case and the fact that there is a preliminary injunction out there. Because the, all of the early reporting, and some of the, it's very frustrating as I'm on, on <laughs> online trolling news and seeing all these misleading headlines <laughs> saying know. ban is imminent. It's oh. like Baker wins, yes. right? <laughs> yeah, it's like Baker wins. It says, you know, court, it's a, the, the headlines say, court approves transgender ban. Yeah. No, the court didn't approve the transgender ban. Right. Although that may be the practical effect of granting these motions. Yeah. 
All right. Well, in terms of other practical effects, what is this? I mean, you 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 well, characterize this as it could be a signal that that the Supreme Court is likely to defer to the president on issues affecting yeah. military. I what does it mean about discrim- non-discrimination protections, other things like that? Yeah, well, th- this this is interesting because the military is always different. Cases involving the military are always different. Okay. We have a pretty large body of a district court and court of appeals decisions now on transgender discrimination under Title VII, right. under Title IX, okay. under the Fair Housing Act. You know, we, we have so uh, we should Violence be very... Against Women Act. Okay. Uh, we, I, I think you know, we, we've built up a pretty large body. And, and Scalia wrote a lot of those, uh, well, the decision no, you talked about on call. What, what, he, what, he, what he wrote was uh, the decision in on call, which yeah. is one of the decisions that courts have been relying on here. Yeah. But uh, the the issue is that there are there are petitions pending before the court now under both Title VII and Title IX, asking them to take up the question whether gender identity discrimination is sex discrimination. And what the lower courts have been saying is it is sex discrimination, so we should treat it like sex discrimination, which means heightened scrutiny, shifting the burden of proof to the government, that that uh, whatever policy is being challenged that is discriminatory or exclusionary of transgender people is significantly advances an important public interest. Okay. Uh, and they've been striking out on that yeah. uh, almost all the time. Uh, so uh, that's all in danger now because when the court comes back from its winter recess, this is not a total recess, but from the middle of January to the middle of February, they stop hearing cases for a month okay. to give them times to catch up on writing opinions. Okay. Because they've they heard a lot of arguments uh, beginning in October, and they've only issued a half a dozen opinions so okay. far. So they're, they're going to try to catch up on opinions to get those out of the way so the cases that are argued over the next few months can be decided by the end of June. So they're not going to come back and have a new conference on cert petitions till February 15th. Okay. No public sessions, no cert petitions uh, being granted. Uh, we, but when they come back, and at least one of them has already been listed for the conference on February 15th, okay. they're going to be uh, deciding at, at whether to grant the Title VII case. Okay. I, I'm not sure. The Title IX case, all the briefing hasn't been done This yet. is in the uh, gender identity? This is the claim, uh, the, the, the uh, transgender funeral director case from the Sixth Circuit. We okay. had a very strong decision from the Sixth Circuit. Yeah. Uh, the Supreme Court has shown in Obergefell that they're not hesitant to reverse the Sixth Circuit. Yeah, that's <laughs> but true. But then, of course, that was in our favor. Yeah. Uh, but uh, if they grant if they grant any of those petitions on sexual orientation or gender identity, those cases will be lined up for argument next fall. So the sexual orientation claims are also listed for they're February. They're also listed for February 15th. And uh, by February 15th, there may be a few more on the docket because there are several other cert petitions pending. Working their way up. Yeah, there's either there were several of these cases, there were uh, motions to extend time to respond, okay. uh, which are liberally granted by the court unless there's some big emergency to get to the case. Uh, so, uh, for example, there were two petitions pending on religious objections to complying with anti-discrimination laws. There's a wedding cake case. Well, oh, a God, wedding cake. Enough and, cake. And, and one involves a bed and breakfast in Hawaii. Yeah. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about, is there a fix to this legislatively or through executive action by a new president? What happens if this, you know, if, if in 2020 things look a whole lot different yeah. for the country in terms of well, government? Well, until, until January... 
what, 21st of 2021, mm -hmm. uh, nothing can get enacted unless Trump agrees to sign it. Yeah. Okay. So right? And so unless he's, because uh, he's changeable, he changes his positions on things all the time. If he suddenly becomes changeable on this and says he will agree to sign some kind of reasonable policy on transgender military service and you could get both houses of Congress. If to he gets it, a stupid wall. Uh, yeah, maybe he'll hold, hold um, transgender people hostage for the wall. But okay, so after he's gone, after please he's gone, take us to after he's gone. After he's gone, if... Uh, if someone else is elected president in 2020. When someone else is elected president in 2020. If or when somebody's <laughs> elected president in 2020, because he has a campaign. He's raising money for them. Okay, come on. Let's talk okay. good, good news. Good news. All right. So if, if let's say a Democrat is elected president and the Democrats win back control of the Senate and the House. Uh -huh. And in the Senate, it would have to be like a blowout because as long as the Republicans have at least 41 seats, they can block, they can block substantive legislation. Okay. What about an executive action? Uh, this could be changed by executive action right. because there is no statute banning uh, transgender people from serving in the military. This is all a matter of military regulations yeah. and now an executive order. And uh, I would think the, an executive order, and it's not even an executive order. It's three tweets connected by dots, you know, the way Trump never could come within the word limit of a tweet or the the character limit. So he always did multiple tweets connected by dots. And this was three dots. And there was a pause between the first and the second. Okay. And people who were following his tweets were holding their breath because you couldn't tell from the first what he was talking about. I don't know about. if we were holding our breath, we were fuming. Yeah. But, um, but, you... but the point is that uh, it's not even an executive order, but a new president can rescind a prior president's yeah. executive What order. about the Equality Act that Nancy Pelosi is promised? doesn't affect to... the military doesn't affect the military. Uh, civil uh, civil rights legislation has never been applied to the military. That's always been separate. Uh, and, uh, I mean, it would apply to the civilian employees of the Defense Department, but actually this ban yeah. doesn't apply to them. I, see. I think it only applies to the military, to the uniformed military. All right, Art. Well, f I, I think our... And the most important thing that a new Democratic oh. president could do would yeah. be appoint, to appoint a transgender veteran Secretary of Defense. I love that. That would be great. That and we have some transgender veterans out there who are pretty active. Yeah. Uh, whether they're qualified to be Secretary of Defense is another question, but, you know, it's some high position. In the or a transgender department. justice to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yeah, a transgender justice. Well, we, there aren't a lot of transgender appellate judges in the lower not courts. Not appellate judges, but we know, well, we know some state judges. Yeah, and, and you, could, you could always appoint a law professor. That would be fabulous. Or our brand-new president. Kristen Browdy, the president of, of Legal. Of Legal. Um, so if you're listening, Gillibrand, Kamala Harris, <laughs> we've got a couple of ideas for you. Um, so I think it, should, it shouldn't go without saying that the states are working. We are sitting here in New York, and we're recording this podcast right as Governor Cuomo is signing into protection, um, signing into law protections for trans people here across the state of New York to make sure that they're not discriminated against in a whole variety of settings. Um, it took 17 years to finally get this passed, but we have a new day in New York. We have a Democratic Senate, a Democratic Assembly, and finally we're getting some protections. We also banned conversion therapy. So it can't be, you know, ultimately we've got to have the federal government working to protect and support members of our community. But in the meantime, the states really matter and elections really matter. Right. Well, certainly in, in terms of LGBT rights, 
for the next two years, we need to have a heavy focus on state legislatures mm -hmm. because uh, we still don't even have a majority of states banning sexual orientation discrimination or gender identity discrimination. Right. Uh, so we've got a lot of work to do there. We made great progress uh, trying to persuade the lower federal courts that sex discrimination laws in the federal uh, code should apply to sexual orientation and gender identity discrimination. The Supreme Court, I think it's highly predictable that the Supreme Court will have that on their live docket next uh, term and they will have some cases. Uh, and I do not have uh, a bright and cheery forecast as to how those will turn out. But you never know. Right. The Supreme Court can be unpredictable. And then the other thing, of course, is uh, anyone who is concerned with advancing LGBT rights has to get out there over the next two years and work hard at electing Democratic majorities in both houses of Congress as well as the president. Yeah. Well, that's what we've been doing out here in New York. And, big and it made it And it made a big difference. Um, so... I think that's that'll have to do it for now. Uh, this uh, special edition, late-breaking edition of the LGBT Law Notes episode of the podcast, and we're um, thank you for sharing your thoughts, your expertise uh, with us today, and we'll be back shortly with a full report out of this case and the other cases that are happening here in January with our February edition of Law Notes. Thanks for listening. Back soon.